0: hello wonderful people how's it going how's everybody's week uh i am hoping everyone's week has gone well and that you've stayed cool of course depending on where you are maybe that's a bad thing not where i'm at Okay, so we've got some great stuff in here. I can't believe I never had this idea before because there have been times where I've, I've had stuff that I've forgotten and I've wanted to communicate to you guys. There have been times when I've had stuff that I wanted to ask you guys and like put in chat and I, you know, we go and then I don't really have time to read your responses. So I'm glad we're starting with this. I like this little, uh, this little system we have here. So, let me see what you guys have come up with, because I see some good ones already. By the way, puzzles, Savannah, Nate, Michaela, of course. Uh, Maria, Cost- Maria Constanza Iglesias Martin, welcome. General, how's it going? Savannah, Michelle Howard, Erica, how do you do? Do I got everybody? Gemma, hi. Hi. Abigail, Julia, Ashling, Jeff, Kat. All right, now I'm caught up. I'm not going to be able to call everybody out. Um, but it's uh, that's, a, that's pretty cool, though, having enough people in here that uh, I'm not going to be able to keep up with it. I mean, it's not like I've got a million people in here. I've got, I've got 10 viewers, but uh, we do have a show to get on with. So... Let me just make sure I'm centered up here cuz I feel like I'm. No, I'm good. All right. Also, what's what's going on? Let's see. Let me just I got to make all my adjustments, make sure I can hear myself okay. Got to make sure I can hear myself okay. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, I'm seeing Forrest Gump as <laughs> a death eater, okay. Uh Sean Connery. Uh, Gemma Sean Connery is a great one. I actually have a character in the future um, who actually plays a pretty large part um, already voiced by Sean Connery. and once again, I hope you guys understand, I am not good at impressions. I can do uh, different voices, I can like, I can generate voices, but my imitation skills, my ability to sound like somebody else accurately, not great. So just sit back, enjoy the show, enjoy my really, really bad impressions. But Sean Connery is coming up. Uh, Sean Connery, as a matter of fact, uh, Rufus Scrimgeour. So for those of you who are familiar, then you'll know uh, what he sounds like now um also also gemma christopher walken that's not one i've had yet and that's a pretty good idea michelle says jack sparrow Ooh, nick coach says javier bardem yeah yeah that's a pretty good one okay let's see ashley says bellatrix as german maybe that's a good thought because i I'm, in my own read through, Bellatrix has been a really challenging one to sound distinct. Because um, you can you can go crazy, and uh, it's just it's a uh, it's a tough one to sell as unique and not just ah uh, so crazy. Um, Bellatrix is German. That's a good idea. We don't see her yet, but I will keep that in mind. Jeff Miller says Bernie Sanders, Snoop Dogg, and Julia Childs. <laughs> That is a heck of a lineup. I want I I want you all to imagine for a moment you are trying to execute your uh, your evil plans, (laughs) and those are the henchmen you have to work with. Bernie Sanders, Snoop Dogg, and Julia Childs—none of them would help. If it's a if it's if you've got an evil plot, none of the three of those people are going to be very helpful. Cat Wixom says, "This is the first time I've caught it live." On my girlfriend's YouTube, since she has premium, so names Zane. Zane, how's it going? Share as Bella. Maria, I will call you Connie. I can do that. Oh man, Julia says Jan Rabson, the dude who played Jaws in James Bond. I don't know that I know what that sounds like let's see fluffy as lucius my old man voice from DD. cat says it's great i've loved these videos finally caught up and i'm excited for book five wonderful general i think you and i are just going to be at odds about this which is frustrating but um i think it's in in terms of last time, I think it's reductive to assess everyone in terms of orientation. And so I can't say I'm totally with you on this. A lot of talk about Alan Turing lately, and, uh, I think it's important that, uh, he be remembered as the things he did well. And I think, uh, you know, people fought for the ability to spend their lives Uh, as something greater than their orientation and to be known for something more than that. So I realize we're going to be at odds about this, but, um, I do feel strongly about that. Gemma Bauer says Julia Childs would definitely be a death eater. Why do you say that? I guess I don't really know much about Julia Childs, but, uh. I don't know, she she seems like in the four or five clips I've ever seen of her ever, um, I feel like... I feel like she reminds me a little bit of like, uh, oh, what's his name? Mr. Rogers. Does not seem like a death eater to me, but maybe I'm wrong? Alright, we've got three chapters to get into today. So I am going to... Uh, proceed we've got a uh, uh, I'm gonna try to be really quick with the with everything here and we're probably not gonna have a ton of time to discuss stuff afterwards um, like I said we've got three chapters uh, the middle one is relatively short but still I mean three reasonably long chapters Bobcat Goldthwa- Goldwaith oh. I I know who Bobcat Goldwaith is but I don't know what his voice sounds like all right so in our last chapters, chapters thirty-one and thirty-two, we have Harry. Um, essentially, he is in the midst of his first task, or excuse me, the third task. This is his final task, and uh, of course, it's very, very stressful with um, the three champions, uh, the four champions. All you know, and not everyone's in equal running, but this would be a chance to make it happen. Harry and Cedric. Sedgwick (laughs) I got Nathan on the brain Harry and Cedric are in the uh, in the lead they're the first ones who have the opportunity to go into the the maze and we uh, we get to see Harry running around all on his lonesome for a while he keeps running into people Um, I'm not gonna go into all the details but at the end he and Cedric end up side by side in front of the in front of the the cup in front of the goblet, that is the the Triwizard Cup. Um, they have a, a little bit of a bickering match about who's going to take it. You take it. No, you take it. Um, eventually, they decide to take it together, and they are whisked away. It's a port key. In chapter thirty-two, flesh, blood, and bone. Harry is caught, and Cedric is almost immediately killed upon arrival. The strange figure who approaches in the, through this graveyard that Harry has landed in um, turns out to be Wormtail. Wormtail is one of the uh, one of the the head honchos of the Death Eaters now that they're all splintered apart and such. Um, but he is in charge of helping Voldemort to come back. And over the course of this chapter, over the course of this sickening, eerie, strange ritual he succeeds in doing so. Voldemort starts the chapter as this weird, baby-sized, emaciated, crouching thing, this creature, and by the end, the very last line is, Lord Voldemort had risen again. So, we're going to get started. Let's get this bread, shall we? Chapter 33, The Death Eaters. Voldemort looked away from Harry and began examining his own body. His hands were like large, pale spiders. His long, white fingers caressed his own chest. His arms, his face, the red eyes, whose pupils were slits like a cat's, gleamed still more brightly through the darkness. He held up his hands and flexed the fingers, his expression rapt and exultant. He took not the slightest notice of Wormtail, who lay twitching and bleeding on the ground, nor of the great snake, which had slithered back into sight and was circling Harry again, hissing. Voldemort slipped one of those unnaturally long-fingered hands into a deep pocket and drew out a wand. He caressed it gently, too, and then raised it and pointed it at Wormtail who was lifted off the ground and thrown against the headstone where Harry was tied. He fell to the foot of it and lay there, crumpled up and crying. Voldemort turned his scarlet eyes upon Harry, Harry, laughing a high, cold, mirthless laugh. Wormtail's robes were shining with blood now. He had wrapped the stump of his arm in them, My lord, he choked.
1: My lord, you promised. You did promise. Hold out your arm,
0: said Voldemort lazily.
1: Yes, master. Thank you, master.
0: He extended the bleeding stump, but Voldemort laughed again.
1: The other arm, Wormtail. Master, please,
0: PLEASE!" Lulemort bent down and pulled Wormtail's left arm. He forced the sleeve of Wormtail's robes up past his elbow, and Harry saw something upon the skin there. Something like a vivid red tattoo, a skull with a snake protruding from its mouth. The image that appeared in the sky in the Quidditch World Cup, the dark mark. Voldemort examined it carefully, ignoring Wormtail's uncontrollable weeping.
1: It is back,
0: he said softly.
1: They will all have noticed it. And now we shall see.
0: Now we shall know. He pressed his long white forefinger to the brand on Wormtail's arm. The scar on Harry's forehead seared with a sharp pain again, and Wormtail let off a fresh howl. Voldemort removed his fingers from Wormtail's mark, and Harry saw that it had turned jet black. A look of cruel satisfaction on his face, Voldemort straightened up, threw back his head, and stared around at the dark graveyard.
1: How many will be brave enough to return when they feel it?
0: he whispered, his gleaming red eyes fixed upon the stars.
1: And how many will be foolish enough to stay away?
0: He began to pace up and down before Harry and Wormtail, eyes sweeping the graveyard all the while. After a minute or two, he looked down at Harry again, a cruel smile twisting his snake-like face. You stand, Harry Potter. Upon the remnants
1: of my late father,
0: he hissed softly,
1: a muggle and a fool, very like your dear mother. But they both had their uses, did they not? Your mother died to defend you as a child, and I killed my father, and see how useful he has proved himself in death."
0: Voldemort laughed again. Up and down, he paced, looking all around as he walked, and the snake continued to circle in the grass.
1: You see what house is upon the hillside, Potter? My father lived there. My mother, a witch who lived here in this village, fell in love with him, but he abandoned her when she told him what she was. He didn't like magic, my father. He left her and returned to his Muggle parents before I was even born, Potter, and she died giving birth to me, leaving me to be raised in a Muggle orphanage, but I vowed to find him. I revenge myself upon him. That fool who gave me his name, Tom Riddle."
0: Still he paced, his red eyes darting from grave to grave.
1: Listen to me, reliving family history,
0: he said quietly.
1: Why I am growing quite sentimental. But look, Harry, my true family returns.
0: The air was suddenly full of swishing cloaks. Between graves, behind the yew tree, in every shadowy space, wizards were apparating. All of them were hooded and masked, and one by one they moved forward. Slowly. Cautiously as though they could hardly believe their eyes Voldemort stood in silence waiting for them Then one of the Death Eaters fell to his knees crawled around crawled toward Voldemort and kissed the hem of his black robes Master Master he murmured (laughs) The Death Eaters behind him did the same Each of them approaching Voldemort on his knees and kissing his robes before backing away and standing up, forming a silent circle which enclosed Tom Riddle's grave, Harry, Voldemort, and the sobbing and twitching heap that was Wormtail. Yet they left gaps in the circle, as though waiting for more people. Voldemort, however, did not seem to expect more. He looked around at the hooded faces, And though there was no wind, a rustling seemed to run around the circle, as though it had shivered.
1: Welcome, Death Eaters,
0: said Voldemort quietly.
1: Thirteen years. Thirteen years since we last met. Yet you answer my call as if it were yesterday. We are still united under the dark mark, then. Or are we?
0: He put back his terrible face and sniffed, his slit-like nostrils widening.
1: (sighs) I smell guilt, he said. There is a stench of guilt upon the air.
0: A second shiver ran around the circle, as though each member of it longed, but did not dare to step back from him.
1: I see you all, whole and healthy, with your powers intact. Such prompt appearances, and I ask myself, why did this band of wizards never come to the aid of their master, whom they swore eternal loyalty?
0: No one spoke. No one moved except Wormtail, who was upon the ground, still sobbing over his bleeding arm. And I answer myself, whispered Wormtail,
1: they must have believed me broken. They thought I was gone. They slipped back among my enemies and they pleaded innocence and ignorance and bewitchment. And then I ask myself, but how could they have believed I would not rise again? They who knew the steps I took long ago to guard myself against mortal death. They who had seen the proofs of the immensity of my power in the times when I was mightier than any wizard living. And I answer myself, perhaps, perhaps they believed a still greater power could exist. One that could vanquish even Lord Voldemort. Perhaps they now pay allegiance to another. Perhaps that champion of commoners, of bloods and muggles, Albus Dumbledore. At the
0: mention of Dumbledore's name, the members of the circle stirred, and some muttered and shook their heads. Voldemort ignored them.
1: It is a disappointment to me, I confess myself. Disappointed?
0: One of the men suddenly flung himself forward, breaking the circle. Trembling from head to foot, he collapsed at Voldemort's feet. Master, he shrieked, master, forgive me, forgive us all. Voldemort began to laugh. He raised his wand.
1: Crucio!
0: The Death Eater on the ground writhed and shrieked. Harry was sure the sound must carry to the houses around.
1: Let the police come,
0: he thought desperately
1: anyone, anything.
0: Voldemort raised his wand. The tortured Death Eater lay flat upon the ground, gasping. Get up, Avery, said Voldemort softly.
1: Stand up. You ask for forgiveness. I do not forgive. I do not forget. Thirteen Long years. I want thirteen years repayment before I forgive you. Wormtail here has paid some of his debt already, have you not, Wormtail?
0: He looked down at Wormtail, who continued to sob.
1: You return to me, not out of loyalty, but out of fear of your old friends. You deserve this pain, Wormtail, you know that, don't you? Yes, master,
0: (laughs) moaned Wormtail.
1: Please, master, please. Yet you helped return me to my body,
0: said Voldemort coolly, watching Wormtail sob on the ground.
1: Worthless and traitorous as you are, you helped me, and Lord Voldemort rewards his helpers.
0: Voldemort raised his wand again and whirled it through the air. A streak of what looked like molten silver hung shining in the wand's wake. Momentarily shapeless, it writhed and then formed itself into a gleaming replica of a human hand, bright as moonlight, which soared downward and fixed itself upon Wormtail's bleeding wrist. Wormtail stopped sobbing promptly. His breathing harsh and ragged, he raised his head and stared in disbelief at his silver hand. Now attached seamlessly to his arm as though he wore a dazzling glove. He flexed the shining fingers. Then, trembling, picked up a small twig on the ground and crushed it into powder.
1: "'My lord,' he whispered. "'Master, it is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you!'
0: He scrambled forward on his knees and kissed the hem of Voldemort's robes.
1: May your loyalty never waver again,
0: Wormtail, said Voldemort.
1: No, my lord, never, never, my lord.
0: Wormtail stood up and took his place in the circle. Staring at his powerful new hand, his face still shining with tears. Voldemort now approached the man on Wormtail's right.
1: Lucius, my slippery friend,
0: he whispered, halting before him.
1: I'm told you have not renounced the old ways, though to the world you present a respectable face. You're still ready to take the lead in a spot of muggle torture, I believe, yet you never tried to find me, Lucius. Your exploits at the Quidditch World Cup were fun, I dare say. But might not your energies have been better directed toward finding and aiding your master?"
0: "'My lord, I was constantly on the alert,' came Lucius Malfoy's voice, swiftly from beneath the hood. "'Had there been any sign from you, any whisper of your whereabouts, I would have been at your side immediately. Nothing could have prevented me—and
1: yet you ran away!' from my mark when a faithful Death-Eater sent it into the sky last summer,"
0: said Voldemort lazily, and Mr. Malfoy stopped talking abruptly.
1: Yes, I know all about that, Lucius. You have disappointed me, and I expect more faithful service in the future.
0: "'Of course, my lord, of course. You are uh, merciful. Thank you.' Voldemort moved on and stopped, staring at the space large enough for two people that separated Malfoy and the next man.
1: "'The Lestranges should stand here,'
0: said Voldemort quietly.
1: "'But they are entombed in Azkaban. They were faithful, They went to Azkaban rather than renounce me. When Azkaban is broken open, the Lestranges will be honored beyond their dreams. The Dementors will join us. They are our natural allies. We will recall the banished giants. I shall have all of my devoted servants returned to me, and an army of creatures whom all fear."
0: He walked on. Some of the Death Eaters he passed in silence, but he paused before others and spoke to them.
1: McNair. Destroying dangerous beasts at the Ministry? Wormtail tells me as much. You should have better victims than that soon, McNair. Lord Voldemort will provide.
0: Thank you, Master. Thank you, murmured McNair. That's my best, best. William Shatner, I'm so sorry.
1: And here,
0: Voldemort moved on to the two largest hooded figures.
1: We have Crab. You will do better this time, will you not, Crab? And you, Goyle? Yes, Master! We will, master.
0: The same goes for you, not, said Voldemort, quietly as he walked past a stooped figure in Mr. Goyle's shadow. My lord, I I prostrate myself before you. I am your faithful, most faithful. That will do. (coughs) He had reached the largest gap of all, and he stood surveying it with his blank red eyes, as though he could see people standing there.
1: And here, we have six missing Death Eaters, three dead in my service, one too cowardly to return, he will pay. One who I believe has left me forever, he will be killed, of course, and one who remains my most faithful servant, and who has already re-entered my service.
0: The Death Eaters stirred, and Harry saw their eyes dart sideways at one another through their masks.
1: He is at Hogwarts, that faithful servant. And it was through his efforts that our young friend arrived here tonight." "'Yes,'
0: said Voldemort, a grin curling his lipless mouth as his eyes—a grin curling his lipless mouth as the eyes of the circle flashed in Harry's direction.
1: "'Harry Potter has kindly joined us for my rebirthing party. One might go far as to say, he is my guest of honor."
0: There was a silence. Then the Death-Eater to the right of Wormtail stepped forward, and Lucius Malfoy's voice spoke from under the mask. Master, we crave to know, we beg you to tell us, how have you achieved this, this miracle? How you managed to return to
1: us. Ah, and what a story it is, said Voldemort. And it begins and ends with my young friend here.
0: He walked lazily over to to stand next to Harry, so that the eyes of the whole circle were upon the two of them. The snake continued to circle.
1: "'You know, of course, that they have called this boy my downfall,'
0: Voldemort said softly, his red eyes upon Harry, whose scar began to burn so fiercely that he almost screamed in agony.
1: "'You all know that on the night I lost my powers and my body I tried to kill him. His mother died in the attempt to save him and unwittingly provided him with a protection I admit I had not foreseen.' I could not touch the boy.
0: Voldemort raised one of his long white fingers and put it very close to Harry's cheek.
1: His mother left upon him the traces of her sacrifice. This is old magic. I should have remembered it. I was foolish to overlook it, but no matter. I can touch him now.
0: Harry felt the cold tip of the long, white finger touch him and thought his head would burst with the pain. Voldemort laughed softly in his ear and took the finger away and continued addressing the Death Eaters.
1: I miscalculated, my friends, I admit it. My curse was deflected by the woman's selfish sacrifice. And it rebounded upon myself Beyond pain my friends Nothing could have prepared me for it. I was ripped from my body I was less than spirit less than the meanest ghost, but still I was alive What I was even I do not know I who Have gone farther than anybody along the path that leads to immortality You know my goal to conquer death And now I was tested, and it appeared that one or more of my experiments had worked. For I had not been killed, though the curse should have done it, nevertheless I was powerless as the weakest creature alive, and without the means to help myself, for I had no body, and every spell that might have helped me required the use of a wand. I remember only forcing myself, sleeplessly, endlessly, second by second, to exist. I settled in a faraway place, in a forest, and I waited. Surely, one of my faithful Death Eaters would try and find me. One of them would come and perform the magic I could not, to restore me to a body. But I waited. In vain.
0: The shiver ran once more around the circle of listening Death Eaters. Voldemort let the silence spiral horribly before continuing.
1: Only one power remained to me. I could possess the bodies of others, but I dared not go where other humans were plentiful, for I knew that the Aurors were still abroad in searching for me. I sometimes inhabited animals, snakes, of course, being my preference, but I was a little better off inside them than as pure spirit, for their bodies were ill adapted to perform magic, and my possession of them shortened their lives. None of them lasted long. And then four years ago, the means for my return seemed assured. A wizard young, foolish, and gullible, wandered across my path in the forest I had made my home. Oh, he seemed the very chance I had been dreaming of, for he was a teacher at Dumbledore's school. He was easy to bend to my will. He brought me back into this country, and after a while I took possession of his body to supervise him closely as he carried out my orders. But my plan failed. I did not manage to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. I was not to be assured, immortal life. I was thwarted, thwarted once again. (sighs) My Harry Potter.
0: Silence once more, nothing was stirring, not even the leaves on the yew tree. The Death Eaters were fixed, motionless, the glittering eyes and their masks fixed upon Voldemort and upon Harry.
1: The servant died when I left his body and I was left as weak as I have ever been.
0: Voldemort continued.
1: I returned to my hiding place far away and I will not pretend to you that I didn't then fear I might never regain my powers. Yes, that was perhaps my darkest hour. I could not hope that I would be sent another wizard to possess, and I had given up hope now that any of my Death Eaters cared what became of me.
0: One or two of the masked wizards in the circle moved uncomfortably, but Voldemort took no notice.
1: And then, not even a year ago, When I had abandoned all hope, it happened at last. A servant returned to me. Wormtail here, who had faked his own death to escape justice, was driven out of hiding by those he had once counted friends, and decided to return to his master. He sought me in the country where it had long been rumoured I was hiding. Helped, of course, by the rats he met along the way, Wormtail... Has a curious affinity with rats. Do you not, Wormtail? His filthy little friends told him there was a place deep in an Albanian forest that they avoided, where small animals like themselves had met their deaths by a dark shadow that possessed them. But this journey back to me was not smooth, was it, Wormtail? For Hungry one night, on the edge of the very forest where he had hoped to find me, he foolishly stopped at an inn for some food, and who should he meet there but one, Bertha Jorkins, a witch from the Ministry of Magic. Now I see the way that fate favours Lord Voldemort. This might have been the end of Wormtail, and of my last hope for regeneration. But Wormtail, displaying
0: a presence of mind I would never have expected from him,
1: convinced Bertha Jorkins to accompany him on a night-time stroll. He overpowered her, he brought her to me, and Bertha Jorkins, who might have ruined all, proved instead to be a gift beyond my wildest dreams. For, with a little persuasion, she became a veritable mine of information. She told me that the Tribal's adornment would be played at Hogwarts this year. She told me that she knew of a faithful Death Eater who would be only too willing to help me if only I could contact him. She told me many things. But the means I used to break the memory charm upon her were powerful, and when I had extracted all useful information from her, her mind and body were both damaged, beyond repair. She had now served her purpose. I could not possess her. I disposed of her.
0: Voldemort smiled his terrible smile, his red eyes blank, and pitiless.
1: Wormtail's body, of course, was ill-adapted for possession, as all assumed him dead, and would attract far too much attention if noticed. However, he was the able-bodied servant I needed, and poor wizard though he is, Wormtail was able to follow the instructions I gave him, which would return me to a rudimentary, weak body of my own, a body I would be able to inhabit while awaiting the essential ingredients for true rebirth. A spell or two of my own invention. A little help from my dear Nagini.
0: Voldemort's red eyes fell upon the continually circling snake.
1: A potion concocted from unicorn blood and the snake venom Nagini provided. I was soon returned to an almost human form and strong enough to travel. There was no hope of stealing the Sorcerer's Stone more, for I knew that Dumbledore would have seen it. Dumbledore would have seen to it that it was destroyed. But I was willing to embrace mortal life again before chasing immortality. I set my sights lower. I would settle for my old body back again and my old strength. I knew that to achieve this It is an old piece of dark magic, the potion that revived me tonight. I would need three powerful ingredients. Well, one of them was already at hand, was it not, Wormtail? Flesh given by a servant. My father's bone naturally meant we would have to come here, where he was buried, but the blood of a foe. Wormtail would have had me use any wizard, would you not, Wormtail, any wizard who had hated me, as so many of them still do, but I knew the one I must use if I was to rise again, more powerful than I had been when I had fallen. I wanted Harry Potter's blood. I wanted the blood of the one who had stripped me of power thirteen years ago for the lingering protection his mother once gave him. Would then reside in my veins too, but how to get at Harry Potter? For he has been known, for he has been better protected than I think even he knows. Protected in ways devised by Dumbledore long ago, and then, when it fell to him to arrange the, when it fell to him to arrange the boy's future. Dumbledore invoked an ancient magic to ensure the boy's protection, as long as he was in his relation's care. Not even I can touch him there. And of course there was the Quidditch World Cup. I thought his protection might be weaker there, away from his relations and Dumbledore, but I was not yet strong enough to attempt to kidnap in the midst of a horde of Ministry Wizards and then the boy will return to Hogwarts, where he is under the crooked nose of that muggle-loving fool, from morning till night. So how could I take him? Why? By using Bertha Jorkins' information, of course. Use my one faithful Death Eater, stationed at Hogwarts, to ensure that the boy's name was entered into the goblet of fire. Use my Death Eater to ensure that the boy won the tournament, that he touched the Triwizard Cup first. The cup in which my Death Eater had turned a portkey, which would bring him here, beyond the reach of Dumbledore's help and protection, and into my waiting arms. And here he is, the boy you all believed had been my downfall.
0: Voldemort moved slowly forward and turned to face Harry. He raised his wand.
1: Crucio.
0: It was pain beyond anything Harry had ever experienced. His very bones were on fire. His head was surely splitting along his scar. His eyes were rolling madly in his head. He wanted it to end, to black out to die. And then he was and then it was gone. He was hanging limply in the ropes binding him to the headstone of Voldemort's father. Looking up into those bright red eyes through a kind of mist. The light was ringing with the sound of the Death Eater's laughter.
1: You see, I think, how foolish it was to suppose that this boy ever ever have been stronger than me said Voldemort but I want there to be no mistake in anybody's mind Harry Potter escaped me by lucky chance and I am going to prove my power by killing him here and now in front of you all when there is no Dumbledore to help him and no mother to die for him I will give him his chance He will be allowed to fight, and you will be left in no doubt, which of us is the stronger. Just a little longer, Nagini,
0: he whispered, and the snake glided away through the grass to where the Death Eaters stood watching.
1: Now untie him, Wormtail, and give him back his wand.
0: that is the end of the chapter my mouth <laughs> is in such a weird condition that is a very breathy voice so I do a lot of breathing um, lots of deep breathing and as such I'm a, I'm a little lightheaded and then this thing happens to me when I get lightheaded from too much like quick breathing. Uh, my lips like purse up. If I just relax altogether, that's what they look like. I realize it doesn't look like much but it is very strange to try and read words with normal like ah, ah wide enunciation. Yeah, Alright, I'm gonna go not breathe for a little bit. Um, and then in about five minutes, I'll be back. How's that sound? I'll address chat at that point. <laughs> Gemma says, I don't know how you keep the voice going for so long. Um, perseverance and dedication to this silly, silly thing I do every Thursday. I'll see you guys in five. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey welcome back for anybody who doesn't know um, what are you doing here this is the end of book four we're at like the the climax of the entire thing go back and uh, at least start from book the top of book four come on now luke welcome I want to give a big shout out to Luke once again this week for helping to find a lot of the art uh, especially for the first two chapters here um, he uh, helped save me a lot of work and is part of the reason I'm able to do the second stream in a week because I you know cutting down on the prep time for this thing it's really nice thank you Luke check him out on Instagram I'm told I have a weird green glow. That's my, that I want to sort of evoke just a, a hint of danger uh, from the Avada Kedavra curse.
1: It's
0: yeah, it's on purpose. You. Ashling says, or Ash, I believe we're we're going by now. Uh, Sam is popping a lot tonight. Has he eaten a sausage bean again? <laughs> Chema says oh I already saw that one okay so Luke Stolfus says Stoltzfus I actually don't know how to pronounce it I'm, I'm not sure how much to like slur there Um, Luke says just up with those suggestions for the Death Eater voices Bernie would have been a hilarious Death Eater you want to hear some terrible terrible news uh, not my voice for not was definitely what I've got for uh, Bernie Sanders I'm not proud of it they're fun I enjoy doing bad impressions but they're so bad aren't they <laughs> Cassidy helped me a lot um, in my my efforts uh, we had a there's a, a character way down the line uh, named Dirk Cresswell and she helped me put together I think a passable um, Matthew McConaughey so uh, come back in A couple of months maybe even over a year and you'll get to hear that one (laughs) it's in the last book unfortunately for y'all Ashling says Anthony Hopkins would too he sounds too gentlemanly though Luke says hint of the Joker Gemma says the Hagrid voice is my favorite I appreciate it I think that's the one I get the the most Good feedback on is the Hagrid voice um, which is funny because voices sound different in your head than out of your head even listening to recordings it's very very different um, because your skull vibrates and that is a sound perceived by your ears or at least it interferes with how your ears hear sound um, and so because my voice is you know moving my own skull around like everybody's does um, the voices sound slightly different to me so weirdly enough the most accurate voice as I hear it inside my own head is Harry <laughs> Uh, but I am, I am just proud as peaches to be, uh, considered decent at any single one of them. All right, let's get going on our next chapter, huh? Uh, for anybody who's just tuning in, last chapter, um, Voldemort really monologued for a while. Um, so long that I got lightheaded and my lips are all pursed because I've got too much oxygen in my blood. Um, he essentially laid out what happened to him since the end of book one. Uh, he lost power. You know, he lo- he lost his power. Um, he, uh, Harry was able to essentially banish him from uh, uh, Professor Quirrell, and Professor Quirrell died. Uh, Dumbledore went off into hiding again, and during that time, he hid in the forest as he did so long ago. Until Wormtail came and found him, and provided him with a a, a unique uh, fateful prisoner. Bertha Jorkins. Now, we've been hearing about Bertha Jorkins since the start. She, uh, it sounds like, has been responsible for all of the information that helped uh, Voldemort get to Harry Potter. That's most of it. At the very end of the chapter, Voldemort says, put down, uh, pull pull uh, Harry down off that statue and give him his wand. We're going to duel. Just to put it out of everyone's head, any idea that Harry has more power than I do. Melanated Gemini that's a cool name Uh, good reading love Harry and Hagrid voice thank you very much Uh, Kat says it's so weird to hear your voice after you did Voldy for so long man that was a lot wasn't it it was a lot Um, Ash says Bellatrix should be a sultry voice I think I'm I I've got a couple of books to like get it down ooh no I've only got one book don't I I've got one book to get is goofing on me um, I believe I've only got one book to sort it out but that one's important to me I important Bellatrix I want to be really good Voldemort I've worked on it is hard to do like a, a, a it, it says it over and over again he's got a high-pitched cold voice that's a hard a hard one to characterize I think I could have spent a bit more time on it and had it uh, come out as something I don't know Normal. I don't know. Linz is asking, "Are you purposely channeling Richard Harris for Dumbledore?" Not intentionally. Um, it's a variation on uh, Gandalf. Yeah. When I say variation on, I do genuinely mean it started as a a bad impression, and I think I've worked my way toward a slightly better impression, but that's where I landed. Let's get started with the next one. Chapter 34 Priori Incantatum Wormtail approached Harry, who scrambled to find his feet, to support his own weight before the ropes were untied. Wormtail raised his new silver hand, pulled out the wad of material, gagging Harry, and then, with one swipe, cut through the bonds, tying Harry to the gravestone. There was a split second, perhaps, when Harry thought he could consider running for it, but his injured leg shook under him as he stood in the overgrown grave. As the Death Eaters closed ranks, forming a tighter circle around him in Voldemort so that the gaps where the missing Death Eaters should have stood were filled. Wormtail walked out of the circle to the place where Cedric's body lay and returned with Harry's wand, which he thrust roughly into Harry's hand without looking at him. Then Wormtail resumed his place in the circle of watching Death Eaters.
1: You have been taught how to duel, Harry Potter?
0: Asked Voldemort softly, his red eyes glinting through the darkness. At these words, Harry remembered, as though from a former life, the Dueling Club at Hogwarts he had attended briefly two years ago. All he had learned there was the disarming spell, Expelliarmus. And what use would it be to deprive Voldemort of his wand, even if he could, when he was surrounded by Death Eaters, outnumbered by at least thirty to one. He had never learned anything that could possibly fit him for this. He knew he was facing the thing against which Moody had always warned the unblockable Avada Kedavra curse. And Voldemort was right. His mother was not here to die for him this time. He was quite unprotected.
1: We bow to each other, Harry,
0: said Voldemort, bending a little but keeping his snake-like face upturned to Harry.
1: Come, the niceties must be observed. Dumbledore would like you to show manners. Bow to death, Harry."
0: The Death Eaters were laughing again. Voldemort's lipless mouth was smiling. Harry did not bow. He was not going to let Voldemort play with him before killing him. He was not going to give him that satisfaction.
1: I said, bow,
0: Voldemort said, raising his wand, and Harry felt his spine curve as though a huge invisible hand were bending him ruthlessly forward, and the Death Eaters laughed harder than ever. Very good, said Voldemort softly, and as he raised his wand, the pressure bearing down upon Harry lifted too.
1: And now you face me like a man, straight-backed and proud the way your father died. And now we duel!
0: Voldemort raised his wand, and before Harry could do anything to defend himself, before he could even move, he had been hit again by the Cruciatus Curse. The pain was so intense, so all-consuming that he no longer knew where he was. White-hot knives were piercing every inch of his skin. His head was surely going to burst with pain. He was screaming more loudly than he'd ever screamed in his life. And then it stopped. Harry rolled over and scrambled to his feet. He was... Shaking as uncontrollably as Wormtail had done when his hand had been cut off. He staggered sideways into the wall of watching Death Eaters and they pushed him away, back into Voldemort.
1: A little break,
0: said Voldemort, the slit-like nostrils dilating with excitement.
1: A little pause. That hurt, didn't it, Harry? You don't want me to do that again, do you?
0: Harry didn't answer. He was going to die like Cedric. Those pitiless red eyes were telling him so. He was going to die, and there was nothing he could do about it. But he wasn't going to play along. He wasn't going to obey Voldemort. He wasn't going to beg. I asked you whether you want me to do that again, said Voldemort softly. Answer me! Imperio! And Harry felt for the third time in his life the sensation that his mind had been wiped of all thought. Oh, it was bliss not to think. It was as though he were floating, dreaming.
1: Just answer no, just say no, answer no. I will not
0: said a stronger voice in the back of his head. I won't answer.
1: Just answer no.
0: I won't do it. I won't say it.
1: Just answer
0: no. I won't! And these words burst from Harry's mouth. They echoed through the graveyard and the dream state was lifted as suddenly as though cold water had been thrown over him. Back rushed the aches that the Cruciatus Curse had left all over his body. Back rushed the realization of where he was, and of what he was facing. You won't, said Voldemort quietly, and the Death Eaters were not laughing now.
1: You won't say no, Harry? Obedience is a virtue I need to teach you before you die. Perhaps another little dose of pain.
0: Voldemort raised his wand, but this time Harry was ready. With the reflexes born of his Quidditch training, he flung himself sideways onto the ground. He rolled behind the marble headstone of Voldemort's father. Then you heard it crack as the curse missed him.
1: We are not playing hide and seek, Harry,
0: said Voldemort's soft, cold voice, drawing nearer as the Death Eaters laughed.
1: You cannot hide from me. Does this mean you're tired of our duel? Does this mean that you would prefer me to finish it now, then, Harry? Come out, Harry. Come out and play, then. It will be quick. (laughs) It might even be painless. I would not know. I have never died.
0: Harry crouched behind the headstone and knew... The end had come. There was no hope, no help to be had. And as he heard Voldemort draw nearer still, he knew only one thing, and it was beyond fear or reason. He was not going to die crouched here like a child, playing hide and seek. He was not going to die kneeled at Voldemort's feet. He was going to die upright, like his father and he was going to die trying to defend himself, even if no defense was possible. Before Voldemort could stick his snake-like face around the headstone, Harry stood up. He gripped his wand very tightly in his hand, thrust it out in front of him, and threw himself around the headstone, facing Voldemort. Voldemort was ready. As Harry shouted, Expelliarmus! Voldemort cried,
1: Avada Kedavra!
0: A jet of green light issued from Voldemort's wand as it's a jet of red light blasted from Harry's. They met in midair, and suddenly Harry's wand was vibrating as though an electric charge were surging through it. His hand seized up around it. He couldn't have released it, even if he'd wanted to, and a narrow beam of light connected the two wands, neither red nor green, but bright, deep gold. Harry, following the beam with his astonished gaze, saw that Voldemort's long, white fingers, too, were gripping a wand that was shaking and vibrating. And then, nothing could have prepared Harry for this, he felt his feet lift from the ground. He and Voldemort were still being raised into the air, he and Voldemort were both being raised into the air, their wands still connected by that thread of shimmering golden light. They glided away from the tombstone of Voldemort's father and then came to a rest on a patch of ground that was clear and free of graves. The Death Eaters were shouting. They were asking Voldemort for instructions. They were closing in, forming the circle around Harry and Voldemort, the snake slithering at their heels, some of them drawing their wands. The golden thread connecting Harry and Voldemort splintered, though the wands remained connected. A thousand more beams arced high over Harry and Voldemort, crisscrossing all around them until they were enclosed in a golden dome-shaped web, a cage of light, beyond which the Death Eaters circled like jackals. Their cries strangely muffled now.
1: Do nothing!
0: Voldemort shrieked to the Death Eaters, and Harry saw his red eyes wide with astonishment at what was happening. Saw him fighting to break the thread of gold light still connecting his wand with Harry's. Harry held his wand more tightly with both hands, and the golden thread remained unbroken.
1: Do nothing unless I command you!
0: Voldemort shouted to the Death Eaters. And then, an unearthly and beautiful sound filled the air. It was coming from every thread of the light-spun web vibrating around Harry and Voldemort. It was a sound Harry recognized, though he had heard it only once before in his life. Phoenix Song. It was the sound of hope to Harry, the most beautiful and welcome thing he had ever heard in his life, He felt as though the song were inside him instead of just around him. It was the sound he connected with Dumbledore and it was almost as though a friend were speaking in his ear. Don't break the connection. I know, Harry told the music. I know I mustn't. But no sooner had he thought it than the thing became much harder to do. His wand began to vibrate more powerfully than ever. And now the beam between him and Voldemort changed too. It was as though large beads of light were sliding up and down the thread, connecting the wands. Harry felt his wand give a shudder under his hand, and the light beads began to slide slowly and steadily his way. The direction of the beam's movement was now toward him, from Voldemort, and he felt his wand shudder angrily. As the closest... (coughs) As the closest bead of light moved nearer to Harry's wand tip, The wood beneath his fingers grew so hot, he feared it would burst into flame. The closer that bead moved, the harder Harry's wand vibrated. He was sure his wand would not survive contact with it. He felt as though he were about to shatter it under his fingers. He concentrated every last particle of his mind upon forcing the bead back toward Voldemort. His ears full of phoenix song, his eyes furious, fixed. And slowly, very slowly, the beads quivered to a halt and then just as slowly began to move the other way. And it was Voldemort's wand that was vibrating extra hard now. Voldemort who looked astonished and almost fearful. One of the beads of light was quivering inches from the tip of Voldemort's wand. Harry didn't understand why he was doing it, didn't know what it might achieve, but he now concentrated as he had never done in his life on forcing that bead of light right back into Voldemort's wand. And slowly Very slowly it moved along the golden thread. It trembled for a moment. And then it connected. At once Voldemort's wand began to emit echoing screams of pain. Then Voldemort's red eyes widening with shock. A dense, smoky hand flew out of the tip of it and vanished. The ghost of the hand he had made Wormtail. More shouts of pain, and then something much larger began to blossom from Voldemort's wand tip. A great grayish something that looked as though it were made of the solidest, densest smoke. It was a head, now a chest, and arms, the torso of Cedric Diggory. If ever Harry might have released his wand from shock, it might have been then, but instinct kept him clutching his wand tightly. That the thread of golden light remained unbroken, even though the thick grey ghost of Cedric Diggory—was it a ghost? It looked so solid. Emerged in its, emerged in its entirety from the end of Voldemort's wand, as though it were squeezing itself out of a very narrow tunnel. And the shade of Cedric stood up, and looked up and down the golden thread of light, and spoke. Hold on, Harry," it said. Its voice was distant and echoing. Harry looked at Voldemort, his wide red eyes were still shocked. He had no more expected this than Harry, and very dimly Harry heard the frightened yells of the Death Eaters prowling around the edges of the Golden Dome. More screams of pain from the wand, and then something else emerged from its tip, the dense shadow of a second head. Quickly followed by arms and a torso, An old man Harry had only ever seen in a dream was now pushing himself out of the end of the wand, just as Cedric had done. And his ghost, or his shadow, whatever it was, fell next to Cedric's and surveyed Harry and Voldemort on the golden web and the connected wands with mild surprise, leaning on his walking stick. He was a real wizard then, the old man said, his eyes on Voldemort killed me, that one did. You
1: fight him, boy."
0: But already yet another head was emerging, and this head, gray as a smoky statue, was a woman's. Harry, both arms shaking now as he fought to keep his wand still, saw her drop to the ground and straighten up like the others, staring. The shadow of Bertha Jorkins surveyed the battle with her own wide eyes. "'Don't let go now!' She cried, and her voice echoed like Cedric's, as though from very far away.
1: Don't let him get Jerry! Don't let go!
0: She and the other two shadowy figures began to pace around the inner walls of the Golden Web, while the Death Eaters flitted around the outside of it. And Voldemort's dead victims whispered as they circled the duelers, whispered words of encouragement to Harry, and hissed words Harry couldn't hear to Voldemort. And now another head was emerging from the tip of Voldemort's wand, And Harry knew when he saw it, who it would be. He knew, as though he had expected it from the moment when Cedric had appeared from the wand. Knew, because the woman appearing was the one he'd thought of more tonight than any other. The smoky shadow of a young woman with long hair fell to the ground, as Bertha had done. Straightened up, and looked at him. And Harry, his arms shaking madly now, looked back into the ghostly face of his mother. Your father's coming, she said quietly. Hold on for your father. He'll be all right. Hold on. And he came. First his head, then his body. Tall and untidy-haired like Harry, the smoky, shadowy form of James Potter blossomed from the end of Voldemort's wand, fell to the ground and straightened like his wife. He walked close to Harry, looking down at him, and he spoke in the same distant, echoing voice as the others, but quietly, so that Voldemort, his face now livid with fear as his victims prowled around him, could not hear. When the connection was broken, We will linger for only moments, but we'll give you time. You must get to the portkey. It will return you to Hogwarts. Do you understand, Harry?" Yes! Harry gasped, fighting now to keep a hold of his wand, which slipped and slid beneath his fingers. (coughs) Harry, whispered the figure of Cedric, "'Take my body back, will you? Take my body back to my parents?' "'I will!' said Harry, his face screwed up with the effort of holding the wand. "'Do it now,' whispered his father's voice. "'Be ready to run. Do it now! "'NOW!' Harry yelled. He didn't think he could have held on for another moment anyway. He pulled his wand upward with an almighty wrench, and the golden thread broke. The cage of light vanished." The Phoenix Song died, but the shadowy figures of Voldemort's victims did not disappear. They were closing in upon Voldemort, shielding Harry from his gaze. And Harry ran as he had never run in his life, knocking two stunned Death Eaters aside as he passed. He zigzagged behind headstones, feeling their curses following him, hearing them hit the headstones. He was dodging curses and graves, pelting towards Cedric's body, no longer aware of the pain in his leg. His whole being concentrated on what he had to do.
1: "'Stun him!'
0: he heard Voldemort scream. Ten feet from Cedric, Harry dived behind a marble angel to avoid the jets of red light and saw the tip of of its wing shatter as the spells hit it. Gripping his wand more tightly, he dashed out from behind the angel.
1: "'Impedimentia!'
0: he bellowed, putting his wand wildly over his shoulder at the Death Eaters running at him. From a muffled yell, he thought he had stopped at least one of them, but there was no time to stop and look. He jumped over the cup, and dived as he heard more wand blasts behind him. More jets of light flew over his head as he fell, stretching out his hand to grab Cedric's arm.
1: Stand aside! I will kill him! He's mine!
0: Shrieked Voldemort. Harry's hand closed on Cedric's wrist. One tombstone between him and Voldemort, but Cedric was too heavy to carry, and the cup was out of reach. Voldemort's red eyes flamed in the darkness. Harry saw his mouth curl into a smile, saw him raise his wand. Accio! Harry yelled, pointing his wand at the Triwizard Cup. It flew into the air and soared toward him. Harry caught it by the handle. He heard Voldemort's scream of fury at the same moment that he felt the jerk behind his navel that meant the portkey had worked. It was speeding him away in a whirl of wind and color, and Cedric along with him They were going back. That is the end of the chapter. Once more, it's gonna be a short one. However, we do have beans to do tonight. I'm going to go ahead and forego my assistant because I feel like anything that touches her hand is going to get me deathly ill. I'll I'm gonna go ahead and have you not cough on them. I'll cough on first. No, 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 no. Don't cough on the beans, please. Um, What's Chad up to? stash of donuts true Uh, Maria that is a donut in the artwork I hide one there's one in every chapter I think since the start of book two there's one per chapter so if you can find it uh, good luck to you well done Um, there's no prize or anything just uh, the pride of knowing you've got keen eyes accio donut Luke says, good older Harry voice. Thank you. I forgot I had to do that one tonight, and uh, I got real anxious when it came up, because I couldn't remember from my first read-through what what it sounded like the first time. Let's see. (laughs) Gemma says, I thought the pop sound Sam makes was a button he pressed on the computer, not him making the noise. Nope, it's me. Uh, Linz says okay I have to ask does anybody else notice that this part of the book has changed in the new printings originally it was Harry's dad appearing first and then his mom Um, and apparently they changed the dialogue a little too she says I'm a purist so this bugs me don't change my favorite books interesting and Gemma yeah I think you're right Uh, his mom Gemma says uh, his mom would come out first because she died after his dad maybe they changed it because of that uh, yeah, I think that's probably probably the issue. But interesting that you caught that. Um, I don't know if I've read a version where Harry's dad came out first.
1: That
0: hmm. <laughs> Luke says nightly reminder to like the video. Um, liking the video is fantastic, and even more than that, if you do uh, subscribe, make sure you've got the notification bell on. Um, I do occasionally release uh, in in the mornings I release just a a video that says like we're going live and it'll tell you in the description of that video, Um, you'll be able to identify it from the thumbnail, Uh, you'll be able to to identify uh, exactly what we're reading tonight. And uh, so just a a reminder, so you know what's coming up. Um, And then the occasional I mean, like, less than once a month uh, announcement. If I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I get through the middle of the week and I realize I'm not going to have time on Thursday to stream, then uh, you'll be able to find it there. So it'll keep you up to date. It seems more effective than uh, trying to like bounce you guys over to Instagram, but I will say everyone remember this, if this all crashes and burns somehow on YouTube, meet me on Instagram at Sidecar Stories. And we'll pick up from there. So if I'm just gone at some point, that's where I'm at. Thanks for the reminder, Luke. Liked and belled, says Gemma. Excellent. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. So it's beans time. It's time for beans. So um, once again, I'm going to show you guys what it is. I am not going to look at it myself. You'll have to trust me. Uh, Maybe we can use Cassidy for the verification of that. She wants to hold it and then cough. And I say, no, no, no. I said no 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 Um, Luke by the way says I've been seeing the Gatsby and Sherlock vids haven't got to check them out but here's hoping you're testing your field testing new material that's exactly what I'm doing Um, the Sherlock one was a test although I will say I would love to go back at some point and read the Sherlock Holmes stories Um, but that was a test for great Gatsby which is my new Tuesday stream Um, going all the way through great Gatsby and I'm starting there all of it got balanced out pretty quiet in uh the great gatsby chapter one that we did um but i'm doing i'm doing sound effects i'm doing music um i'm turning into a much more interesting audio experience so check out tuesdays all right so here's the bean i can't see it i promise i'm just i'm gonna hold it up to the camera so you guys can get a good look at it remember if it's clear that means it's technically green okay here we go oh Cass, i have such bad news for you Guess what one I got last week? Well, you weren't here for it. The sausage one? Yeah. Ugh. I got snossaged All right. Not see it. Oh. I not see it. It's not a good one. I see it. Give me that. Oh. <coughs> Ooh, that's that's really rough. Oh. It's got like a um like a raw broccoli. Thing going on uh, in a really bad way. What? I think it might be booger. Oh man, I finished it. I finished it. Don't worry. I don't know. I can't confirm what it is because you can <sighs> see it first. That was terrible. My eyes are my eyes are watering a tiny little bit, not a lot, but. That's probably the worst uh, immediate impression I've gotten of any one of them. And I will say, I think the first sausage was worse than the second one. The second one didn't stick around with me for as long. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this one disappears quick. But uh, that was terrible. All right, number two. And <laughs> Gemma, look, here's the thing. My palate is just—it is a—it is a cockamamie wackadoodle uh ridiculous coleslaw of of uh tastes i have no idea what i'm getting i think part of that is the fault of the beans you know when you when you mix weird flavors together um when you mix weird flavors together then they look different uh they look different they they taste different um but also i think part of it is just i don't know what i'm tasting so let's get on to bean number two shall we Okay. Here's number two. Also, this is probably a really weird little tradition, friend of you showing up for the first time, huh? <laughs> okay. There it is. Cass, have you seen it? Yeah, Okay. Don't cough on it. I will. Cough on it. Okay, I still haven't seen it. Let's see. Oh, man. After that last one, I really don't want to bite into this. Ah. That is the same bean. (laughs) Come on, what is it?
1: Rotten
0: egg. Oh, rotten egg. Oh. (laughs) Well, save the best for last. They say. There best not be a third rotten egg because I will throw up. Oh man. Oh, even the bad ones before. (laughs) Even the bad ones before. I've never thought. Found myself thinking like. I regret this. It's always been like, "Ooh, that was terrible." This is kind of fun. Oh, that is so bad. That is so bad. Oh, I don't want to do a third one. Come on. Let me look. Let me see what's left. No, I can't. know. you can. I'll let you look, but you you can't tell me.
1: Uh, oh, oh my gosh, that one's left.
0: Stop. Give me that. You
1: have three left. I know.
0: I have three left I've, I've done two tonight okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more all right are you sure there's three I accidentally poured all three of them in my, into my hand right the three, there are three okay yes. okay I'm gonna have to put these back without looking at them uh-oh. don't say Uh oh she's just standing over my shoulder and like mm-hmm. oh oh ooh, oh, oh. Okay, uh-oh. that's bad news don't you can't get, set me up with expectations come here <laughs> all right so here's the last bean for tonight and I have to eat it quick because uh, so then it shows up in the thing. So and I'm chewing it quick because I really want them. Okay. Okay. It's not good, but it's not as bad as whatever it was before. Um. It's spicy though. It's got a little like cayenne spiciness to it. Oh, weird. I'm looking at. Oh, it's pepper. Is what it is. I just saw it on the, uh, Cheater? the review. Yeah, I gotta get rid of the screen next time. Uh, Linz asks, is there a rule that says you can't spit them out? I feel like it violates the, the spirit of the thing. You know what I mean? There's no particular rule. <clears throat> you know how everyone, you know how there's the old adage, like, you're always your worst critic? My worst critic is Cassidy. I tried to mute it while she's going but uh I muted it just after she was done. <laughs> okay, that was the the third one was bad, but honestly, if it's sort of like a, a cleansing with fire of that uh rotten egg, I'm fine with it. I how did I pull two rotten eggs in a row? I will say I'm kind of pleased on in sort of a removed way that uh it 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 was like progressively worse. You know, I'm glad I didn't like get get all the bad ones out of the way first, and then just have like a lottie do time of strawberries for the next three weeks. Yeah, that's why I wanted to eat all the good ones out. Of it. <laughs> no, you can't eat all the good ones out of it. Oh, then I just never want to do it. Well, I wouldn't tell you. It's got to be the excitement of roulette is that some of the chambers are empty. Otherwise, we know what happens. <laughs> I, I don't condone roulette at the table, Russian or otherwise. Don't do it. <laughs> Okay. Trisha Lou, yes, it was black pepper. 100%. Okay, I'm gonna take a quick break and then we're back for our last chapter of the night. I'm gonna try and make it a quick one because we are, uh, you know, we're at 20 minutes to eight. Um, but this is how it needed to shake out in order to get the last two chapters to make sense and not have just like one dangling chapter at the end of a stream. So I'll see y'all in five. Bye bye. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome back. I just almost had an accident where I shut off the stream instead of coming back to the library. That would have been fun. I would have been so mad. Quick recap. Otherwise I'll forget about it. Um, Harry and Voldemort face off. Hey, I tell you what. You can't do that much. You can do less or you can definitely do more. What song were you singing? I was yawning. Oh. Come over here and... No, don't yawn into my mic. You'll get my you'll get my uh, my pop filter sick, and then I'll get sick, and nobody wants that.
1: <laughs> Harry, <coughs> you're gonna have to fight Voldemort.
0: <coughs> nobody wants it. So, last chapter: Harry and Voldemort face off. Um, Harry's got his wand. Voldemort wants to prove once and for all to his Death Eaters that harry is not powerful not more powerful than voldemort um of course harry is a little more cunning maybe not more cunning than voldemort but certainly more cunning than voldemort gives him credit for he escapes behind a rock and decides you know what he is going to go down fighting he's not going to die on his knees he's not going to die uh fleeing is going to die with his wand at voldemort he stands up and as he casts his spell and Voldemort casts his. Um, the two wand beams meet in the middle. They seem connected somehow, and throughout this connection, um, the it seems like um, Voldemort's wand is reliving its past magic spells. Uh, we see the the hand. We see a a, a ghost of a specter of um, the hand that he granted to Wormtongue for his loyalty we see uh, suddenly um, people starting to come out of the end of this wand, specters of people at the least. Uh, Cedric is there, Um, the old man who was killed at the very beginning of this book, Um, Bertha Jorkins, and then Harry's mother and father. Uh, They tell him that when the moment comes, he needs to run. And Harry holding on through all this, waits until he can he can't hold on to his wand any longer and then he pulls it away all of these specters rush voldemort his voldemort's past victims converge on him harry flees and gets uh cedric's body and then casts accio on the triwizard cup bringing it to him and the portkey brings them elsewhere that's the summary of the chapter as usual if anybody's got anything they want to talk about go ahead and put it in chat um I am going to be tonight probably not spending too much time in the Discord, I apologize, but you can find the link for the Discord if you want to continue the discussion throughout the week in the chat below or in the uh, the description box. I'd love to talk to you. Um, and then some- oh, where's my mouse at? There we go. Okay, and then we've got some discussion about the books. Wand order mistake. Ah, you've done some research, have you? Uh, it's always been said that James died first when trying to give Lily and Harry time to flee. Since they were exiting in the order, it was thought to have been a clue from J.K. Rowling. Rowling later said it was late night writer's fatigue, and the error was fixed in the later versions. Yep, that makes sense, I think. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm very vaguely familiar I think I've heard her voice a couple of times Jeff is suggesting Elvira as Bellatrix okay let me add that to the list um, five foot fury has suggested uh, Billy Eilish as an option which I think would be an interesting starting point for a voice we'll see we'll see where it ends up okay again gotta go quick let's do this final chapter of the night four scenes Chapter 35 Veritaserum Harry felt himself slam flat into the ground. His face was pressed into his into the grass. The smell of it filled his nostrils. He had closed his eyes while the portkey transported him, and he felt them closed now. And he kept them closed now. Oh boy, are we heading for rough territory here? He did not move. All the breath seemed to have been knocked out of him. His head was swimming so badly felt as though the ground beneath him were swaying like the deck of a ship. To hold himself steady, he tightened his hold on the two things he was still clutching. The smooth, cold handle of the Triwizard Cup and Cedric's body. He felt as though he would slide away into the blackness, gathering at the edges of his brain if he let go of either of them. Shock and exhaustion kept him on the ground, breathing in the smell of the grass, waiting Waiting for someone to do something. Something to happen. And all the while, his scar burned dully on his forehead. A torrent of sound deafened and confused him. There were voices everywhere footsteps, screams. He remained where he was, his face screwed up against the noise as though it were a nightmare that would pass. And then a pair of hands seized him roughly and turned him over.
1: Hurry! Hurry!
0: He opened his eyes. He was looking up at the sky, and Albus Dumbledore was crouched over him. The dark windows, the dark shadows of a crowd of people pressed in around them, pushing nearer. Harry felt the ground beneath his head reverberating with their footsteps. He had come back to the edge of the maze. He could see the stands rising above him, the shapes of people moving in them the stars above. Harry let go of the cup, but he still clutched Cedric to him even more tightly. He raised his free hand and seized Dumbledore's wrist while Dumbledore's face swam in and out of focus. He's back, Harry whispered. He's back.
1: Voldemort. What's going on? What what happened? He's dead.
0: The words were repeated. The shadowy figures pressed in on them and gasped to those around them, and then others shouted it, screeched it, into the night. He's dead! He's dead! Cedric Diggory, dead! (laughs) Harry, uh, let, uh, let go of him, he heard Fudge's voice say, and he felt fingers try to pry him from Cedric's limp body, but Harry wouldn't let him go. Then Dumbledore's face, which was still blurred and misted, came closer. Harry, you can't help him now. It's over. Let go. He wanted me to bring him back, Harry muttered. It seemed important oh. It seemed important to explain this. He wanted me to bring him back to his parents. That's right, Harry. Just let go now. <laughs> Dumbledore bent down. And with extraordinary strength for a man so old and thin, raised Harry from the ground and set him on his feet. Harry swayed. His head was pounding. His injured leg was no longer supporting his weight. The crowd around them jostled, fighting to get closer, pressing darkly in on him. What's happened?
1: What's wrong with him? he's dead.
0: He'll uh, need to go to the hospital wing, Fudge was saying loudly. If he uh, he's he's ill, he's uh, injured. D- Dumbledore, Diggory's parents, they're here, they're, they're in the stands. I'll take Harry, Dumbledore. I'll take him. No, I would prefer. Dumbledore? Uh, no. Dumbledore, uh, Amos Diggory is running, he's uh, uh, coming over. Uh, Don't you think you should uh, tell him before he sees? Harry, stay here girls were screaming, sobbing hysterically. The scene flickered oddly before Harry's eyes. It's all right, son. I got you. Come on, hospital wing. Dumbledore said stay, said Harry thickly. The pounding in his scar making him feel as though he were about to throw up. His vision was blurring worse than ever. You need to lie down. Come on now. Someone larger and stronger than he was, was half-pulling, half-carrying him through the frightened crowd. Harry heard people gasping, screaming and shouting as the man supporting him pushed a path between them, taking him back up to the castle. Across the lawn, across the lake and the Durmstrang ship, Harry heard nothing but the heavy breathing of the man helping him walk. What happened, Harry? The man asked at last as he lifted Harry up the stone steps. Clink, clink, clink. It was Mad Eye Moody. Cup was a portkey," said Harry as they crossed the entrance hall. Clink. Up the marble stairs. The Dark Lord was there. What happened then? Killed Cedric. They killed
1: Cedric. And then,
0: along the corridor,
1: made a potion. Got his body back.
0: The Dark Lord's got his body back. He's returned. And the Death Eaters came. And then we duelled. You duelled. You duelled with the Dark Lord. Got away. My wand—it's something funny. I saw my mum and dad. They came out of his wand. In here, Harry, in here, and sit down. You'll be all right now. Drink this!" Harry heard a key scrape in a lock and felt the cup being pushed into his hands.
1: "'Drink it,
0: you'll feel better. Come on now, Harry, I need to know exactly what happened.' Moody helped tip the stuff down Harry's throat. He coughed, a peppery taste burning his throat. Moody's office came into sharper focus, and so did Moody himself. He looked as white as Fudge had looked, and both eyes were fixed unblinkingly upon Harry's face.
1: Wormtail, and me,
0: said Harry. His head felt clearer. His scar wasn't hurting so badly. He could now see Moody's face distinctly, even though the office was dark could still hear screaming and shouting from the distant Quidditch field. Put to the Dark Lord, take from you, said Moody. Blood, said Harry, raising his arm. His sleeve was ripped where Wormtail's dagger had torn it. Harry let out his breath in a long, low hiss. And the Death Eaters, they returned. Yes, said Harry, lots of them. How did he treat them? Moody asked quietly. Did he... did he forgive them? But Harry had suddenly remembered. He should have told Dumbledore. He should have said it straight away. There's a Death Eater at Hogwarts. There's a Death Eater here. They put my name in the goblet of fire. They made sure I got through to the end. Harry tried to get up, but Moody pushed him back down. I know who the Death Eater is. He said quietly. Karkaroff, said Harry wildly, where is he? Have you got him? Is he locked up? Karkaroff, said Moody with an odd laugh. (laughs) Karkaroff fled tonight when he felt the Dark Mark burn upon his arm. He betrayed too many faithful supporters of the Dark Lord to wish to beat them. But I doubt he'll get far.
1: The Dark Lord
0: has ways of tracking his enemies. konkroff has gone. He ran away, but then... He didn't put my name in the goblet. No, said Moody slowly.
1: No, he didn't. It was I who did that.
0: Harry heard, but didn't believe. No, you didn't, he said. You didn't do that. You couldn't have. I assure you I did, said Moody, and his magical eyes swung around and fixed upon the door, and Harry knew he was making sure there was no one outside it. At the same time, Moody drew out his wand and pointed it at Harry. He forgave him then, he said. The Death Eaters who went free, the ones who escaped (laughs) Azkaban. What? said Harry. He was looking at the wand Moody was pointing at him. This was a bad joke. It had to be. I asked you, said Moody quietly, whether he forgave
1: the scum who never even went to look for him. Those treacherous cowards who wouldn't even brave command for him. Those faithless, worthless bits of filth who were brave enough to go forward in masks at the Quidditch World Cup but fled at the
0: sight of the Dark Mark when I fired it into the sky. You fired? What are you talking about? I told you, Harry. I told you. If there's one thing I hate more than any other, it's a death eater who walked free. I turned their backs on my master when he needed them most. I expected him to punish him. I expected him to torture them. Tell me he hurt them, Harry. Moody's face was suddenly lit with an insane smile. Tell me, he told them, that I, I alone remained faithful, prepared to risk anything to deliver him the one thing he wanted above all. You. You didn't... it... it can't have been you. Who put your name in the cup of the fire, under the name of a different school? I did. Who frightened off every person I thought might try to hurt you or prevent you from winning the tournament? I did nudged Hagrid into showing you the dragons. I did. Who helped you see the only way you could beat the dragon? I did." Moody's magical eye had now left the door. It was fixed upon Harry. His lopsided mouth leered more widely than ever. It hasn't been easy, Harry, guiding you through these tasks with a rise in suspicion. I've had to use every ounce of the cunning I possess so that my hand would not be detectable in your success. Dumbledore would have been very suspicious if he'd managed everything too easily. Got the hiccups now. As long as he got into that maze, preferably with a decent head start, then I knew I would have a chance of getting rid of the other champions and leaving your way clear. But I also had to contend with your stupidity. The second task that was when I was most afraid that we would fail. I was keeping an eye on you, Potter. I knew you couldn't have worked out the clue in the egg, so I had to give you another hint. You didn't, Harry said hoarsely. Cedric gave me the clue. Who told Cedric to open it under water? I did. I trusted he would pass the information on to you. Decent people are so easy to manipulate, Potter. I was sure Cedric
1: would want to repay you for telling him about the dragons, and so he did. But even then, Potter, even then, you seemed likely to fail. I was watching you all the time. One of those hours in the library, didn't you realize that the
0: book you needed was in your dormitory all along. I planted it there early on. Gave it to the long-bottom boy. Don't you remember? Magical water plants of the Mediterranean.
1: Would have told you all you needed to know about Gillyweed. I expected you to ask anyone and everyone you could for help. Longbottom would have told you in an instant. But you did not. You did not. You got a streak of pride and independence that might have ruined
0: all. So what could I do? Feed you information from another innocent source. You told me at the Yule Ball A house elf called Dobby had given you a Christmas present. I called the elf to the staff room to collect some robes for cleaning, and I staged a loud conversation with Professor McGonagall about the hostages who were taken, and whether Potter had thought to use gillyweed. And your little friend ran straight to Snape's office and then hurried to find you. Moody's wand was still pointing directly at Harry's heart. Over his shoulder, foggy shapes were moving in the faux glass on the wall. You were so long in that lake, Potter, I thought you'd drowned. But luckily Dumbledore took your idiocy for her nobility and marked you high for it. I breathed again. You had an easier time of it than you should have. And that maze tonight, of course, said Moody. I was patrolling around it, able to see through the outer hedges. Able to curse many obstacles out of your way. I stunned Fleur Delacour as she passed. I put the imperious curse on Crumb so he would finish Diggory and put your path to the cup clear. Harry stared at Moody. He just didn't see how this could be. Dumbledore's friend. The famous Auror. The one who had caught so many Death Eaters. It made no sense. No sense at all foggy shapes in the fog glass were sharpening, had become more distinct. Harry could see the outlines of three people over Moody's shoulder moving closer and closer. But Moody wasn't watching them. His magical eye was upon Harry. The Dark Lord didn't manage to kill you, Potter, and he so wanted to, whispered Moody. Imagine how he'll reward me when he finds out I've done it for him. I give you to him. The thing he needed above all to regenerate. Then I killed him for I killed you for him. I'll be honored beyond
1: all the other death eaters. I'll be his dearest, his closest supporter. Closer than a son.
0: Moody's normal eye was bulging, the magical eye fixed upon Harry. The door was barred, and Harry knew he would never have time to reach his wand. The Dark Lord and I, said Moody, and he looked completely insane now, towering over Harry, leering down at him. We got so much in common. Both of us, for instance, had very disappointing fathers. Very disappointing indeed. Both of us suffered the indignity, Harry, of being named after those fathers. And both of us had the pleasure, the very great pleasure, of killing our fathers to ensure the continued rise of the Dark Order. You're mad, Harry said. He couldn't stop himself. You're mad! Mad, am I? Said Moody, his voice rising uncontrollably. We'll see. We'll see who's mad, now that the Dark Lord has returned, with me at his side. He is back, Potter. You didn't conquer him, and now I conquer you! Moody raised his wand. He opened his mouth. Harry plunged his own hand into his robes.
1: Stupefy!
0: There was a blinding flash of red light, and with a great splintering and crashing, the door of Moody's office was blasted apart. Moody was thrown backward onto the office floor. Harry, still staring at the place where Moody's face had been, saw Albus Dumbledore, Professor Snape, and Professor McGonagall looking back at him out of the faux glass. He looked around and saw the three of them standing in the doorway, Dumbledore in front, his wand outstretched. At that moment, Harry fully understood for the first time why people said Dumbledore was the only wizard Voldemort had ever feared. The look upon Dumbledore's face as he stared down at the unconscious form of Mad-Eye Moody was more terrible than Harry could have ever imagined. There was no benign smile on Dumbledore's face, or as though he were giving off burning heat. He stepped into the office, placed a foot underneath Moody's unconscious body, and kicked him over onto his back, so that his face was visible. Snape followed him, looking into the faux glass, where his own face was still visible, glaring into the room. Professor McGonagall went straight to Harry.
1: "'Come along, Potter,'
0: she whispered. The thin line of her mouth was twitching, as though she were about to cry.
1: "'Come along. Hospital wing.'
0: "'No,' said Dumbledore sharply.
1: "'Dumbledore, he, he ought to... "'Look at him. "'He has been through enough
0: tonight. "'He will stay, Minerva, because he needs to understand,' "'said Dumbledore curtly. "'Understanding is the first step to acceptance, "'and, the, and only with acceptance can there be recovery. "'He needs to know who put him through the ordeal "'he has suffered tonight, and why.' "'Moody.' Harry said, he was still in a state of complete disbelief. How can it have been Moody? This is not Alistair Moody, said Dumbledore quietly. You have never known Alistair Moody. The real Moody would not have removed you from my sight after what happened tonight. The moment he took you, I knew, and I followed. Dumbledore bent down over Moody's limp form and put a hand inside his robes. He pulled out Moody's hip flask and and a set of rings with keys. Then he turned to Professors McGonagall and Snape. Severus, please fetch me the strongest truth potion you possess. Then go down to the kitchens and bring up the house elf called Winky. Minerva, kindly go down to Hagrid's house. Will you find a large black dog sitting in the pumpkin patch? Take the dog up to my office and tell him I will be with him shortly. Then come back here, If either Snape or McGonagall found these instructions peculiar, they hid their confusion. Both turned at once and left the office. Dumbledore walked over to the trunk with seven locks, fitted the first key in the lock, and opened it. It contained a mass of spellbooks. Dumbledore closed the trunk, placed a second key in the second lock, and opened the trunk again. The spellbooks had vanished. This time it contained an assortment of broken sneakoscopes, some parchment and quills, and what looked like a silvery invisibility cloak. Harry watched, astounded, as Dumbledore placed the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th keys in their respective locks, reopening the trunk, and each time revealing different contents. Then he placed the 7th key in the lock, threw open the lid, and Harry let out a cry of excitement, of, and Harry let out a cry of amazement. He was looking down into a kind of pit, an underground room, and lying on the floor, some ten feet below, apparently fast asleep, thin and starved in appearance, was the real Mad Eye Moody. His wooden leg was gone. The socket that should have been held in the magical that should have held the magical eye looked empty beneath its lid, and chunks of his grizzled hair were missing. Harry stared, thunderstruck, between the sleeping Moody in the trunk and the unconscious Moody lying on the floor of the office. Dumbledore climbed into the trunk, lowered himself, and fell lightly onto the floor beside the sleeping Moody. He bent over him. Stunned, controlled by the imperious curse, very weak, he said. Of course, they would have needed to keep him alive. Harry, throw down the impostor's cloak. He is freezing. Madame Pomfrey will need to see him, but he seems in no immediate danger. Harry did as he was told. Dumbledore covered Moody in the cloak, tucked it in around him, and clambered out of the trunk again. Then he picked up the hip flask that stood upon the desk, unscrewed it, and turned it over. A thick, glutinous liquid splattered onto the office floor. Polyjuice potion, Harry, said Dumbledore. You see the simplicity of it, and the brilliance, for Moody never does drink except for his hip flask. He's well known for it. The imposter needed, of course, to keep the real Moody close by, so that he could continue making the potion. You see, his hair—Dumbledore looked down at the Moody in the trunk—the imposter had been cutting it off all year, you see, where it's uneven. But I think, in the excitement of tonight, our fake Moody might have forgotten to take it as frequently as he should have done. On the hour, every hour. Dumbledore pulled out the chair at the desk and sat down upon it, his eyes fixed upon the unconscious Moody on the floor. Airy stared at him, too. Minutes passed in silence. Then, before Harry's very eyes, the face of the man on the floor began to change. The scars were disappearing. The skin was becoming smooth. The mangled nose became whole and started to shrink. The long mane of grizzled hair was withdrawing into the scalp and turning the color of straw. Suddenly, with a loud clunk, the wooden leg fell away as a normal leg regrew in its place. Next moment, the magical eye had popped out of the man's head as a real eye replaced it. It rolled away across the floor and continued to swivel in every direction. Harry saw a man lying before him, pale-skinned, slightly freckled, with a mop of fair hair. He knew who he was. He had seen him in Dumbledore's pensive and watched him being led away from the court by the Dementors, trying to convince Mr. Crouch he was innocent. But he was lined around the eyes now, and looked much older. There were hurried footsteps outside in the corridor. Snape had returned with Winky at his heels. Professor McGonagall was right behind them. Crouch, Snape said, stopping dead in the doorway. Barty Crouch. Good heavens, said Professor McGonagall, stopping dead and staring down at the man on the floor. Filthy, disheveled, Winky peered around Snape's legs. Her mouth opened wide, and she let out a piercing shriek.
1: Master Barty! Master Barty, what is you doing here?
0: She flung herself forward onto the young man's chest.
1: You has killed him! You has killed him! You has killed Master's son!
0: He is simply stunned, Winky, said Dumbledore. Step aside, please. Severus, you have the potion. Snape handed Dumbledore a small glass bottle of completely clear liquid, the Veritaserum with which he had threatened Harry in class. <laughs> Dumbledore got up, bent over the man on the floor, and pulled him and pulled him into a sitting position against the wall beneath the faux glass in which the reflections of Dumbledore, Snape, and McGonagall were still still glaring down upon them all. Winky remained on her knees, trembling, her hands over her face. Dumbledore forced the man's mouth open and poured three drops inside it. Then he pointed his wand at the man's chest and said, Renovate. For those of you listening, it's spelled R-E-N-N-E-R-V-A-T-E. Crouch's son opened his eyes. His face was slack, his gaze unfocused, Dumbledore knelt before him so that their faces were level. "'Can you hear me?' said Dumbledore quietly. The man's eyelids flickered. "'Yes,' he muttered. "'I would like you to tell us how you came to be here. How did you escape from Azkaban?' Crouch took a deep, shuddering breath and began to speak in a flat, expressionless voice. My mother saved me. She knew she was dying. She persuaded my father to rescue me as a last favour to her. He loved her as he had never loved me. He agreed. They came to visit me. They gave me a draught of polyjuice potion containing one of my mother's hairs. He took a draught of polyjuice potion containing one of my hairs. We took on each other's appearance. Winky was shaking her head, trembling.
1: Say no. Master Party, say no more. You was getting your father into trouble.
0: The crouch took another deep breath and continued in the same flat voice. The Dementors are blind. They sensed one healthy, one dying person entering Azkaban. They sensed one healthy, one dying person leaving it. My father smuggled me out, disguised as my mother, in case any prisoners were watching through their doors. My mother died a short while afterward, in Azkaban. She was careful to drink Polyjuice Potion until the end. She was buried under my name, and bearing my appearance. Everyone believed her to be me." The man's eyelids flickered. "'And what did your father do with you when he had got you home?' said Dumbledore quietly. "'Staged my mother's death. A quiet, private funeral. That grave is empty. The house-elf nursed me back to health. Then I had to be concealed. I had to be controlled. My father had to use a number of spells to subdue me. When I had recovered my strength, I thought only of finding my master, of returning to his service. How did your father subdue you? said Dumbledore. The imperious curse, Crouch said. I was under my father's control. I was forced to wear an invisibility cloak day and night. I was always with the house-elf. She was my keeper and caretaker. She pitied me. She persuaded my father to give me occasional treats,
1: ought to tell them he is getting into trouble."
0: "'Did anyone ever discover that you were still alive?' said Dumbledore softly. Did anyone know except your father and the house-elf?" Yes, said Crouch, his eyelids flickering again. A witch in my father's office, Bertha Jorkins. She came to the house with papers for my father's signature. He was not at home. Winky showed her inside and returned to the kitchen, to me. But Bertha Jorkins heard Winky talking to me. She came to investigate. She heard enough to guess who was hiding under the invisibility cloak. My father arrived home. She confronted him. He put a very powerful memory charm on her to make her forget what she'd found out. Too powerful. He said it damaged her memory permanently.
1: Why is she coming to nose into my master's private business? sobbed Winky. Why isn't she leaving us be?
0: Tell me about the Quidditch World Cup, said Dumbledore. Winky talked my father into it, said Crouch, still in the same monotonous voice. She spent months persuading him. I had not left the house for years. I had loved Quidditch. Let him go, she said. He will be in his invisibility cloak. He can watch. Let him smell fresh air for once. She said my mother would have wanted it. She told my father that my mother had died to give me freedom. She had not saved me for a life of imprisonment. He agreed in the end. It was carefully planned. My father led me and Winky up to the top box early in the day. Winky was to say she was saving the seat for my father. I was to sit there, invisible. When everyone had left the box, we would emerge. Winky would appear to be alone. Nobody would ever know. But Winky didn't know I was getting stronger I was starting to fight my father's imperious curse There were times when I was almost myself again There were brief periods when I seemed outside his control It happened there, in the top box It was like waking from a deep sleep I found myself out in public In the middle of the match And I saw, in front of me, a wand sticking out of a boy's pocket I had not been allowed a wand since before Azkaban I stole it Winky didn't know. Winky is afraid of heights. She had her face hidden.
1: "'Master Barty, you bad boy!'
0: whispered Winky, tears trickling between her fingers. "'So you took the wand,' said Dumbledore. "'Then what did you do with it?' "'We went back to the tent,' said Crouch. "'Then we heard them. We heard the Death Eaters. The ones who had never been to Azkaban, the ones who had never suffered for my master. They had turned their backs for him their backs on him. They were not enslaved as I was. They were free to seek him, but they did not. They were merely making sport of muggles. The sound of their voices awoke me. My mind was clearer than it had been in years. I was angry. I had the wand. I wanted my father to attack them. I wanted to attack them for their disloyalty to my master my father had left the tent he had gone to free the muggles Winky was afraid to see me get so angry she used her own brand of magic to bind me to her she pulled me away from the tent pulled me into the forest away from the Death Eaters I tried to hold her back I wanted to return to the campsite I wanted to show those Death Eaters what loyalty to the Dark Lord meant and to punish them for their lack of it. I used the stolen wand to cast the dark mark into the sky. Ministry wizards arrived. They shot stunning spells everywhere. One of the spells came through the trees where Winky and I stood. The bond connecting us was broken. We were both stunned. When Winky was discovered, my father knew I must be nearby. He searched the bushes she had been found, and felt me lying there. He waited until the other ministry members had left the forest. He put me back under the imperious curse and took me home. He dismissed Winky. She had failed him. She had let me acquire a wand. She had almost let me escape. Winky let out a wail of despair. And now it is just Father and I. Alone in the house. And then... And then... Croucher's head rolled on his neck and an insane grin spread across his face. My master came for me. He arrived at our house late one night in the arms of his servant Wormtail. My father found out that I was still alive. What? My master had found out that I was still alive. He had captured Bertha Jorkins in Albania. He had tortured her. She told him a great deal. She told him about the Triwizard Tournament. She told him the old aura, Moody, was going to teach at Hogwarts. He tortured her until he broke through the memory charm my father had placed upon her. She told him I had escaped from Azkaban. She told him my father kept me imprisoned to prevent me from seeking my master, and so my master knew I was still his faithful servant, perhaps the most faithful of all. My master conceived a plan. Based on the information Bertha had given him, he needed me. He arrived at our house near midnight. My father answered the door. The smile spread wider over Crouch's face, as though recalling the sweetest memory of his life. Winky's petrified brown eyes were visible through her fingers. She seemed too, too appalled to speak. It was very quick. My father was placed under the imperious curse by my master. Now my father was the one imprisoned, controlled. My master forced him to go about his business as usual, to act as though nothing was wrong. And I was released. I awoke. I was myself again, alive as I hadn't been in years. And what did Voldemort ask you to do? said Dumbledore he asked me whether i was ready to risk everything for him i was ready it was my dream my greatest ambition to serve him to prove myself to him he told me he needed a place a faithful he needed to place a faithful servant at hogwarts a servant who would guide harry potter through the triwizard tournament without appearing to do so A servant who would watch over Harry Potter, ensure he reached the Triwizard Cup, turn the cup into a portkey which would take the first person to touch it to my master. But first... You needed Alistair Moody," said Dumbledore. His blue eyes were blazing, though his voice remained calm. Wormtail and I did it. We had prepared the Polyjuice Potion beforehand. We journeyed to his house. Moody put up a struggle. There was a commotion. We managed to subdue him just in time. Forced him into a compartment of his own magical trunk. Took some of his hair and added it to the potion. I drank it. I became Moody's double. I took his leg and his eye. I was ready to face Arthur Weasley when he arrived, to sort out the muggles who had heard a disturbance. I made the dustbins move around the yard. I told Arthur Weasley I had heard intruders in my yard who had set off the dustbins. Then I packed up Moody's clothes and dark detectors, put them in the trunk with Moody, and set off for Hogwarts. I kept him alive, under the Imperius curse. I wanted to be able to question him. To find out about his past, to learn his habits, so that I could fool even Dumbledore. I also needed his hair to make the polyjuice potion. The other ingredients were easy. I stole Boomslang Skin from the Dungeons. When the Potion Master found me in his office, I said I was under orders to search it. "'And what became of Wormtail after you attacked Moody?' said Dumbledore. Wormtail returned to care for my master, in my father's house, and to keep watch over my father. "'But your father escaped,' said Dumbledore. "'Yes. After a while he began to fight the Imperius Curse, just as I had done.' There were periods when he knew what was happening. My master decided it was no longer safe for my father to leave the house. He forced him to send letters to the ministry instead, made him write and say that he was ill. But Wormtail neglected his duty. He was not watchful enough. My father escaped. My master guessed that he was heading for Hogwarts. My father was going to tell Dumbledore everything. To confess, he was going to admit that he had smuggled me from Azkaban. My master sent me word of my father's escape. He told me to stop him at all costs. So I waited and watched. I used the map I had taken from Harry Potter. The map that had almost ruined everything. "'Map?' said Dumbledore quickly. "'What map is this?' "'Potter's map of Hogwarts.' Potter saw me on it. Potter saw me stealing more ingredients for the Polyjuice Potion from Snape's office one night. He thought I was my father. We did have the same first name. He took the map from Potter that night. I took... we have the same first name. I took the map from Potter that night. I told him my father hated dark wizards. Potter believed my father was after Snape. For a week I waited for my father to arrive at Hogwarts. At last, one evening, the map showed my father entering the grounds. I pulled on my invisibility cloak I went down to meet him. He was walking around the edge of the forest. When Potter came, and Crum. I waited. I could not hurt Potter. My master needed him. Pastor... Potter ran to get Dumbledore. I stunned Crum. I killed my father. No! wailed Winky.
1: Master Barty? Master Barty, what is you saying? "'You killed your father,'
0: Dumbledore said, in the same soft voice. "'What did you do with the body?' "'Carried it into the forest. Covered it with the invisibility cloak. I had the map with me. I clutched Potter. I watched Potter run into the castle. He met Snape. Dumbledore joined them. I watched Dumbledore bringing Dumbledore out of the gut. "'Really?' I watched Potter bringing Dumbledore out of the castle. I walked back out of the forest, doubled around behind them, went to meet them. I told Dumbledore Snape had told me where to come. Dumbledore told me to go and look for my father. I went back to my father's body, watched the map. When everyone was gone, I transfigured my father's body. He became a bone. I buried it while wearing the invisibility cloak in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. There was complete silence now, except for Winky's continued sobs. Then Dumbledore said, And tonight... I offered to carry the Triwizard Cup into the maze before dinner, whispered Barty Crouch. Turned it into a portkey. My master's plan worked. He has returned to power, and I will be honored by him beyond the dreams of wizards. The insane smile lit his features once more, and his head dropped onto his shoulder as Winky wailed and sobbed at his side. And that is the end of the chapter. Back to the library we go. Lots of the same voice tonight, right? We listened to Voldemort for a long time and then we listened to uh, uh, Barty Crouch Jr. now for a long time. Thank you for bearing with me. I hope you all have a great night. Um, I'm going to be back on Tuesday with another Great Gatsby stream and I will be back on Thursday with another Harry Potter stream, the final one of this book. Now, as I mentioned before, I would like to start moving toward... A little more audio a little less video visual um, with these streams as well Um, I'd be curious what you guys think of that Um, go ahead and uh, you can leave it in I guess leave it in the comments for this video once it turns into a VOD Um, hmm that might be tough I'm not gonna be able to to uh, have a full discussion about it in chat so for right now I'll say yeah just go ahead and and uh, put it in the comments here for next time. Thank you all so much for watching and for listening. As I said before, I'm going to have to cut it short. I'm not going to be able to talk about much because it is uh, 840, about 40 minutes past time. And that's a lot, but it was important so that the uh, timing would work out. I'm going to be with chat for just a second. Uh, Ash says, wonder if dead body stays as the person that they look like, even when drinking polyjuice. And General says, I think they turned back, like their body isn't taking the potion anymore. I think they talked about that um, when they were uh, discussing how Barty Crouch Jr. originally got out of jail. Um, He said uh, about his mother, he said she was buried as me. So I think it does last. Um, But I was also thinking about the Polyjuice Potion. Um, I'm wondering, because, you know, as we can see, like when Barty Crouch Jr. takes the Polyjuice Potion, his leg disappears and his eye disappears. So I wonder what happens if like, if somebody had gotten some, some hair from, from uh, a Wormtail for instance, and then drank Polyjuice potion of him. And then while they were polyjuiced up, uh, Wormtail performed that, that uh, ritual and cut off his hand. Would the hand suddenly be gone? Would the hand go away? Or would it only be from, like, the next time they made Polyjuice Potion with fresh uh, Wormtail material? Ugh, gross. That's a that's one of the grosser phrases I've said tonight. Um, not grosser than those rotten egg beans, though. That was awful. Okay. Again, I gotta cut it short tonight. I'm calling it here. I'm calling it. So, everyone have a great week. I will talk to you later. Whenever I see you again. Um, look forward to... Uh, some some interesting things starting up with book five maybe some music maybe some uh, maybe some sound effects I'm not promising a full commitment to that because um, as I've been testing it with the Great Gatsby one it's a decent bit of work decent bit of extra preparation so while I was hoping to cut down on preparation I've actually increased it so I don't know if that's going to work for me but I'm certainly going to make an effort It's possible that uh, I'll have to reserve that for special special nights like uh, Midweek Mysteries, something like that. Okay. Y'all are fantastic. I love you. I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.